You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Drew from Guy on Fire, and you're listening to the What's Up Next podcast. Hi, this is Miss Yao, and you're listening to the What's Up Next podcast. Hey, this is Eric from the Mastermind Within, and you're listening to the What's Up Next podcast. Welcome to What's Up Next, where your hosts, Paul David Thompson and Doc G, take the discussion on topics in the financial independence movement to the next level. Guest panelists share their opinion to questions that don't have clear answers to help you refine your path to financial independence. Welcome. This is Paul David Thompson from Ready Investor One. And this is Doc G from Diversify.com. So, Paul Thompson, what's up next? Well, the question today that we have is how does being single impact your path to financial independence? We have three guests who are currently consider themselves in the single status and they're going to comment on what that process is like. So we'll jump in with Eric and can you do a quick introduction for the audience, please? Hey, thanks for having me on, Doc G and Paul. Really appreciate it. My name is Eric and I, I blog over at The Mastermind Within and my plans for financial freedom, financial independence has always been a thought from when I was single where I've seen my dad and my grandparents become wealthy over time through smart investing and having relatively lower expenses living within their means. And so I've been inspired by seeing them do amazing things to set up my wealth and set up my my future family for for flexibility, whether that be where we can have some sort of business that's providing for for our family, or or I have time to pursue other things that are, that are more passion projects. And so, really, when I started on the path, I, I already was single, and I still am single. I, I want to have someone in my life who who will support me, but at the same time, I have a strong willpower from within, and I just want to make sure that my family is is financially secure and financially well off in the future. Well, thanks, Eric, for being on the show, and we'll move over to Ms. Ziao. Can you do a quick introduction for us, please? Hi there, everyone. My name's Ms. Ziao. I'm a late 30s blogger living in London, UK, and I'm currently on track to be financially independent by the time I'm 40 in a couple of years. Drew, can you give us a quick intro, please? Definitely. Uh, my name's Drew from Guy on Fire. I'm located in Washington, D.C. I'm at 28 years old and uh, looking to achieve financial independence in my early 30s. All right. So I, I want to start out with Ms. Ziao. Uh, you know, in American culture, we talk about something called the three-date rule. Uh, generally, it's the idea that after three dates, it's time to think about physical intimacy. 
But in our community, we talk about financial intimacy. How soon is too soon to start talking to prospective mates about money? Oh, I think the first date's a good chance to sound them out. Maybe not talk numbers, but to get a rough idea of where the where everything lies. I try to understand mainly if they spend more than they earn or if there are people that perhaps might save more than they earn. So first day, I'd start sounding them out. But actually discussing numbers, that's probably much further down the line. So, Eric, is that the same with you with that first cup of coffee? Are you starting to put the feelers out about uh, their beliefs and philosophies about finances? I'm definitely someone who is open with, with my thoughts. And so I don't go all the way transparency on that first or second or third date, but definitely putting out feelers early on. Drew, is it a faux pas to talk about money on that first date? I personally don't bring it up unless it's been brought up. Uh, however, I tend to look for subtle clues uh, or hints at somebody's money habits, uh, whether they're talking about um, buying a new car while they're currently leasing another car uh, or all the lavish vacations they're taking uh, or having to worry about credit card bills or even what they like to do for fun. Uh, you can pick up on a lot of people leave a lot of subtle hints at their money habits if you listen closely. So, Miss Yao, I'm wondering, have you ever had any kind of financial independence disastrous dates uh, where either a date or two or three in, you just realized that this person was not for you and it caused all sorts of problems just because of your philosophies on finance? Well, I think I've... It's not so much on philosophies and finance, but I've learned there's lots of men that are maybe in a different financial playing field and that just love to spend everything they earn. Yeah, Eric, I was listening to a podcast you were on and you talked about a previous dating experience where it ended up being a house versus ring. So you were excited about maybe buying your first rental property, but your prospective fiance was interested in something completely different. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So I just finished my master's program and I, and I started off with, and I, I had been working for a while and me and my, me and my college roommates were fine, looking for a place. And we, we were kind of striking out on our apartment search and at the time I was dating someone as well and she had moved into a place and she was renting, but we were getting kind of serious. And then back to the roommates is that I just kind of on a whim, I was like, well, let me see what I can buy. And so not even asking her what she thought, but more just pursuing this, this thought of trying to build wealth to becoming a landlord. A week later, I had I'd put an offer in on a house and, and was going to move in. And the down payment was about $10,000. And yeah, the, the girlfriend, she got a little bit upset because that $10,000 could have been used for, for her, for our, our future together, I guess, if you want to put it that way. Yeah. So Drew, to me, this sounds a lot like problems with financial compatibility. How important do you think financial compatibility is in the dating process? I don't think so. Not 100% uh, heading in the same direction. However, I think you need to share... Uh, some similar money habits. Um, you know, if someone's ultra thrifty and very into savings, that's great. Uh, however, uh, that person probably wouldn't go well with somebody who's racking up tens of thousands of dollars in credit card debt. Um, to me, I view it as, as long as someone's not dragging down the financial situation, it's uh, 
something that you can probably work through. But see, I, you know, I know that you're a professional and you probably command a pretty high salary. Do you run into the problem of men being daunted by your salary? Like maybe they don't want to date someone who's more successful than them? Well, I suppose to take that apart in a few ways, I generally don't line up income and success together. I don't think they're directly correlated. But to answer the real question you asked, I generally don't tell people how much I earn and you probably can work it out because I save most of it. So I save about 80% of my income. So my lifestyle is similar to someone who earns 20% of what I do. So you probably couldn't tell. I'm a bit stealthy in that way. Yeah, and Eric, I'm wondering about this idea of stealth. You, from reading your content, I know you do a lot of tracking. You track income, you track expenses, but you, you track a lot of other things too. Do you feel like you have to hide that uh, from a potential date or a potential new mate? Or do you feel comfortable kind of letting them see how closely you pay attention to these things? I think it's good because at the end of the day, if if I can't be myself, if I can't show my authentic personality to someone else, then and then I'm hiding something. And, and that's not necessarily good for relationships. And so I think it's, it's fine to, to be open because you want to be with someone who's, who's open as well, or at least I, I do. I, I want to be able to share, with, share my knowledge and my wisdom and, and share, share a life with someone else. So that, that's why I'm, I'm fine with it. So Drew, you know, people like us in the financial independence community, we have habits, right? And these habits help us get ahead. They help us save money. They help us invest. We hope eventually they'll help us become financially independent. Uh, One of those habits is, you know, partaking in things like house hacking. And I know, especially in the beginning, you did a lot of house hacking. And at one point, you, I think, were living in a 52 square foot room and then renting out to four other roommates in your house. Uh, does this crimp your style when you're dating? I mean, what, what do potential mates think of this when they, when they find out that you're living in such a small space? It's kind of hard to take them home, isn't it? <laughs> uh, well, the expression that I've liked to use in the past is there's so much room for activities, <laughs> uh, quoting the Step Brothers movie there. <laughs> um, you know, it's something I don't typically bring up right away. Uh, I will mention I live with roommates, and I usually like to see the shock or wow factor uh, if or when somebody sees my room. It is definitely uh, a not a normal arrangement. Miss Yao, do you have hurdles that potential men in your life also have to pass? Like Drew's talking about how once they see his room, he gets a good feeling for where they stand on such issues. Do you have any built-in hurdles based on your financial independence lifestyle? Um, I'm not sure if it's financial independent related as such, but I know if you've just been watching the video, you've just seen the cat walking in front of the laptop. (laughs) All suitable dates must like cats. (laughs) That makes sense. I think that's very important. (laughs) So, Eric, your last serious relationship came through one of your blog posts, and you were looking for a wife to reduce taxes. And I know that that was a tongue-in-cheek blog post, but is there some truth to the fact that there are some conveniences financially to being married? Yeah, definitely from from a tax situation, but then, at least in the United States, yeah, you can claim your claim a dependent, but um, from a 
going a step further on your expenses, you can share a lot of expenses getting under the same roof. You can optimize your food. You can optimize your transportation. Maybe you only need one car versus two cars. You can, you can figure a lot, figure out a lot more by on the expense side by having a partner, but then even on the income side, having two incomes could be potentially very powerful when trying to boost investments or pay down debt. Yeah, this whole idea of optimization, again, while I think in our community is looked at as a positive thing, Drew, I'm wondering if outside of our community, people look at us a little funny. Um, I think, in fact, you wrote a post about kind of the, you know, people look at us as the frugal weirdos who have no fun and live a life of deprivation. Have you ever been dating someone and they learned about your habits and have kind of said, look, man, you know, I don't want to do this. I want to enjoy life. Not everyone gets it. Uh, some people are also kind of indifferent uh, to the whole idea. I've had uh, some dates where we just weren't compatible at all, uh, where they spent every last cent and probably actually had a lot of debt, whereas I valued uh, saving and investing a bit more than they did. Really had experiences all across uh, the spectrum dating-wise. So, Miss Yao, I was looking at one of your blog posts, and it was called kind of the 40 by 40 list. And you talk about your goals upon reaching the age of 40. And you talked about travel and study and money. I noticed you didn't really mention many relationship goals. Uh, how important is that to you? Yeah, it's a good question. I suppose the reason why I don't put things like relationships and those goals is I don't think it's something that I have 100% control over. I think there's always going to be other people involved and other outside influences. And ultimately, I think my life goes through several phases and what I like now might not be what I like in the future. And in particular, the sort of men that are interested in people like me so would, would not be the sort of men that would be interested in my life and when I'm FI. I plan to go full-on nomadic and start traveling. So I think the type of men I'd attract then versus the type of men I'd attract now working in the city are really different. And there's not many people that cross that boundary. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I, I, you know, I noticed, obviously, uh, through reading your blog post that solo travel is really important to you. Obviously, you'd have to meet someone who is willing to get out there and could afford it financially, as well as had the love for it. Do you think that's something hard to find? Yeah, I think it's probably putting more boundaries in the way <laughs> or, more high, or making the hurdles higher, definitely. Yeah, I, Eric, I, I wanted to kind of swing it over to you. You know, we do set up these hurdles uh, by being interested in personal finance and financial independence. We live in a way that not everyone else does. And so I think you did an end around to that, right? You decided to date someone within the financial independence community. I'm kind of curious, do you think it's best to go inside your own community to find people to date or does that cause its own sort of stress? It was really easy once once we got started because we had a very similar mindset from the beginning. And so approaching it from that angle, it, it was very helpful where we could get comfortable very quickly in terms of what our goals were, what our, and what our vision for the future was in terms of, okay, you know, five, 10, 15 years from now, we don't want to be tied to a, a corporate cubicle. But at the same time, it still comes down to compatibility and 
to personality too. And so, and then, and then also along the lines of that is, is yes, the, the goal at the end of the day is the same, but is the path to, is the path to that goal the same? Are we investing in stocks? Are we investing in real estate? Are we investing in, in starting a business or are we doing silly things like putting our money in cryptocurrency or precious metals? Like at the end of the day, those same, all those things need to need to align as well. And then, you know, compounding on that living situation and habits and lifestyle. So there's, so I would say it's easier because you have the same goal and you have the same financial mindset, but still it's, it's a relationship and, and it's, and there's a human element to it as well. Like, you know, we love to think about the numbers and we love to take the emotion out of, out of everything in, in, in the financial independence community, but there's still a ton of emotion and, and life that is still, is still there. Yeah, Drew, you know, I think a lot about compatibility and how important that is. Have you ever fallen for someone who wasn't really bought into this lifestyle? And if you haven't, do you think you could in the future? I haven't, but I think... Um I don't think they need to buy into the uh, kind of the FI community 100%. I think they need to have some prioritization on self-improvement, but also improving their financial situation. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with people who want to uh, work and continue to grow their entire life. Where I would have an issue is if somebody's money habits are detrimental uh, to themselves and their well-being. Miss Yao, I'd like to kind of jump on that compatibility question too to you. Uh, what's more important uh, when you're evaluating a man? Is it his figure or his figures? Ooh, I think I'd go for the. I don't know. Both of them are wrong and problematic in slightly different ways, aren't they? <laughs> wrong or right? <laughs> well. <laughs> I'm definitely not body focused and I don't think I'm that money focused, but if I was to pick one, I don't know what I'd pick. Average in both? Yeah, you, you can't go wrong there, right? Average in both is fine. Eric, tell me about your resume uh, for a wife. I, I saw kind of you, you put out a wife resume in one of your blog posts. You mentioned things like living below their means and sacrificing today for tomorrow and being optimistic about the future, and of course, supporting all your crazy endeavors. How serious is a list like that? Is it something that's kind of glancing and put out there for fun, or are those kind of check marks that you do look for when you meet someone? <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's a little bit joking, put, putting that out there, but, but if, if you're familiar with the book, The Five Love Languages, my love language is acts of service, and I think I get that from growing up where my mom was a stay-at-home mom. And that's, that's kind of what my whole mindset is. And my goal is, is so that I can provide for my family to maybe set up a situation like that in the future where my wife, she, she can definitely choose to work if she wants to, but, it, but hopefully there'll be the option to not work as well. And, and that's kind of what I'm going for there. But, but yeah, like I, I, ideally it'd be awesome for me to be able to work on what I want because I love working. I don't necessarily not like working. I love feeling productive, but then, you know, having someone to support me and, and then also that we can have fun, we can travel, we can do other things. And, and so I, does that answer the question? Yeah, most definitely. Drew, when I look at Eric's writing and when I listen to him talk, 
it's clear that his eventual future goal is family and even kids. And I don't see as much of that in your writing. Is that the goal for you? Is it a possibility? Is it something you're not even thinking about? Is it a possibility? Possibly. You know, we never rule anything out in absolute terms. Um, I would say it hasn't been a priority. Uh, something I would like to bring up is kind of the old saying, if you want to go uh, fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And uh, I've been focusing on building a business and uh, obtaining financial independence. And uh, that has definitely been more of a priority in my 20s. And, you know, children is something I don't think is uh, really in the deck of cards for me. But you never know as far as a spouse or partner with marriage. So, Miss Yao, I, I like that, what he just said about going fast versus going far. Uh, with your goal of reaching financial independence by 40, you certainly are working on going fast. How important is the idea of marriage or family? Is it a top goal or is it out there on the periphery and what will come will come? Yeah, I'm quite similar to Drew. I'm very much in a what will happen with happen. I'm very happily child-free. And to be honest, I'm a bit too selfish for children. I expect they're an awful lot of work and an awful lot of hassle. And I'm not sure I really got the dedication or willing to curtail my life. I like this idea of selfishness because although it seems like a negative word, I think to pursue financial independence, to start side hustles, to do the things we do as a community, um, there sometimes needs to be some selfishness. You need time to side hustle and you need time to work as hard or as long as you need. Eric, talk to me about this balance, this, this selfishness that you will need to pursue all the entrepreneurial adventures that you want to get into, but also clearly the idea of courting someone, spending time with them. Um, it's a balance. Do you worry about that balance? Yeah, balance is something I think about nearly every single day. And that, that also applies to sleep, that applies to the food that's going in my body, that applies to even friendships. And, and then my parents and my sisters that I like hanging out with as well. But yeah, balance is on my mind almost every single day. And it's, and it's really easy to start off when you're money focused and take on way too much and then get out of balance. And that, that's happened to me many times now in the past couple of years, now that I'm trying to ex explode my wealth is, is that all of a sudden there'll be a string of nights and mornings where I'm, where I'm staying up late or waking up early. And then it, it reduces my ability to, to then put myself fully out into the world or fully into a relationship. And so like, like back to the question, yes, yeah, it's definitely important to have that balance at the same time. I do think it's attractive for someone to have a lot going on. And so I almost think that, that when you're hustling a lot and when you're creating all these different things, that can definitely be a value add to when you go out and, and start meeting people and, and they start finding out about you. All right, so most of us know the bad news already. If you were using Mint as a budgeting app, it has shut down. But the good news is there's something better, and it's called Monarch Money. I started using Monarch Money myself about five months ago, and I knew immediately that I liked it more than any other budgeting app I had ever used. For one, it focuses on collaboration. This is easy to share with your spouse, your partner, your financial advisor. 
And it's aspirational. Not only can you look at your current budget, but what do you want to buy? What do you want your goals to be? You can focus on those in Monarch Money. It's the next generation of personal finance apps. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Furthermore, you can create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com earn. Again, that's monarchmoney.com E-A-R-N. What I like about this app is it's intuitive, easy to use, quick to sign on. It's collaborative, as we talked about. It's customizable. The idea is you can use this app the way you want to use it. And the reason why is the Monarch Money team is customer-focused. They are focusing on you, me, and all the other people who want to use this app to live a better financial life. After trying out Monarch Money for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com earn. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-A-R-N for your extended 30-day free trial. Yeah, I'd like to throw a similar question over to you, Drew. Um, Drew, you hit me as a pretty busy guy, right? You've got these properties you're managing. You have this blog. uh, You have online courses. Do you ever find that people get turned off by that fact that maybe you don't have time to spend every night with them, uh, that you might not be available on a given weekend? Sure. You know, um, and I also have a day job uh, on top of all that. Some people uh, may demand or uh, want or desire more time that I could probably provide a part of being an entrepreneur. I mean, we work uh, 90 hours, so we don't have to work 40 hours. And uh, I've spent a lot of time uh, in the past five years uh, on nights and weekends and mornings working. And that does uh, reduce the amount of time that I have for family, friends, and dating. I want to transition here a little bit. Ms. Ziao, your name is interesting, right? Both parts of your name mean something. And we certainly could assume that some of those things that they mean have to do with relationship status. Tell me about what your name means. Yes, certainly. So I've got them as as one of the things that really drives me mad in the patriarchal society is the way we title people. How, as children, we have little boys called master and little girls called miss. And yet when they grow up, we have boys called mister, no matter what. Yet suddenly women are called miss or missus, just depending on their marital status. And it's used everywhere in things where it doesn't really matter. Does your garage, your dentist, your bank need to know these details for men as well? And, or just women? So it's just sort of something that I suppose I've thrown back to the old times. And I definitely think everybody should be referred to as Ms. or Mr. no matter what. And this, so that's the first part of my name. The other part, Zial. It's one of these interesting blogger stories. The short answer is I had a long list and from my long list and the short list, it was one of the domains that was available. Ziyao is a Chinese character meaning freedom. And as the blogs about my path to freedom from having to work by 40, I thought Miss Ziyao would be a category ring to it. And the 
domain and social media handles were all available. So hence I went with it. Yeah, I, you know, the, the Ms. part uh, speaks of, of being single uh, and the Xiao part speaks of freedom. So uh, I no, no, Ms. doesn't speak of singleness. It speaks of feminism and not, will, not wishing women to be defined by their marital status when men aren't. You know, otherwise, it would be Mr. Married, Doc DG, or Mr. Unmarried, Doc DG. And having to make that statement whenever you took your car to the garage or whenever you wrote your name on a form for anything, it just seems not too appropriate. So I want to transition again over to Eric. If there was a Fi dating app, if someone put that together, would you use it? Well, recently I've gotten off online dating. So I would probably have to say no at this point of my life because Personally, I think I'm a little bit better in person. And also, I guess this is more just, just, just my personality is that when I go out, I will attract the people who are, who are like me if I'm being myself. And so if I'm being fun, if I'm being active, then, and, and if I'm open to the possibility of meeting someone who is also fun and active, then that, that will happen. It might not happen tomorrow. It might not happen the next week, but over time it will happen. I think that's something that Ms. Ziao said as well, is that it, once she starts traveling or, or once, you know, once she hits 40, once she hits financial independence, then, then that person that will come into her life if she's living the life that she wants to and, and, and she's open to meeting someone. So, Guy, what Eric is talking about to me is a little bit about the fact that life will happen when it happens. Uh, which I think a lot of us feel, on the other hand, sometimes our loved ones or the other people in our community uh, want to push it along a little bit. Uh, do you feel either inside the financial community or outside that people are pushing you to get married or settle down or have children? <laughs> My mother asked where her grandchildren are, and I'm not even married yet. Uh, so from a societal standpoint, or at least a family standpoint, uh, there is definitely pressures uh, in that, uh, from that standpoint. Yeah. And Ms. Ziao, I would ask you the same thing, societal pressure, family and friends, uh, or even in the financial independence community, uh, people trying to set you up, kind of pushing you towards that pathway. I think it more depends where you are and what your circle of influence and what sort of people you hang out with. And I think it's more towards the small towns and the places where people follow the traditional path where that happens. And that's possibly one of the reasons why I've migrated to London, that it is much more socially acceptable, more people are single, and it's the way people are comfortable living life. And ultimately, I think lots of my friends are childless or have grown up children and are divorced. So it's being single is sort of the normal thing. Rather, I make it in my social circle normal rather than unusual. Yeah, I'd like to follow up on that because that's something that I remembered. You know, it's been many years since I've been single, but I did not start seriously dating until I was probably 25. And th there was this kind of feeling of, of, you know, shouldn't this have happened by now? Or and people start giving you this bit of a pressure. And I suspect that when you're in the larger cities, that's more and more common as people are getting married later and later. I'm curious to the rest of you, do you get this, this pressure to like, there's something wrong with you if you're, if you're single? 
I wouldn't say necessarily wrong, but th there is a little bit of pressure. I also think that nowadays things are a little bit different. And nowadays, mean uh, uh, the olden days, I guess, would probably be more like the 50s or 60s. Right. I mean, it's 2018, so. Yeah, I think you were that. implying that I was old. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> you do have a beard. <laughs> I have a baby face over here. Yeah. I think, Drew, don't you have a beard, too? I do. Beard life. You guys are all old men. So Drew, do you get that pressure any of um, like this, even if it's unsaid and I don't mean just your family, just this unsaid thing of, Oh, I mean, you're not, you're not together with anybody yet. What's, what's up? You know, I don't think, um, you know, outside of family, I don't feel as much pressure. Uh, people, it's a generational shift and uh, people are getting married later in life. People are having kids later in life than previous generations. And being 28, uh, I don't, really get that sense or that pressure. Right. Um, yeah. You're just young enough probably that you don't get that pressure yet. And I'm curious, when does that happen now? When, because I, I'm 41, I guess now. So the, the world has changed enough in, the, in just those few years that it is becoming more and more common. I'm curious in, in, in the UK, Ms. Yao, is, is there some sort of age where people start thinking uh, you shouldn't be single anymore? I think it varies. It's very dependent on location and liberalness of your social circle, really. I think in the very conservative, traditional places, it is really normal to be married and have kids by 25 and starting early as soon as you've left school or left uni is the norm in certain parts of the country, whereas other parts is just much more free and liberal. You can People can get married at that age and you're not socially a prior for doing so, but you also can choose to go other ways with your life. Yeah, and, and this makes me wonder too, as we all get older, unlike Paul and I who probably married right after college or during, uh, we didn't have much. And so there wasn't this real issue of ownership yet. When my wife and I got married, I was just finishing medical school. I, I didn't really have anything. So Eric, you're in this different position now. You have been building wealth. You potentially will find someone and meet someone. You're considering at some point getting married and having children. Are you going to be thinking about things like a prenup now that you're coming into a relationship with actual assets? Yeah, it's definitely something to consider. But even before that point, I think it's incredibly powerful. And something that I try and cultivate in my life is, is a confidence that that I'm the prize, that I'm someone who can provide for someone else. And so, so, so being a part of this community, being someone who does have these assets, that's definitely something that I need to bring to the table and that I can, I can, I can say up front or that I, or that could be more attractive is that, Hey, like, like th this is different. This isn't, th this isn't your typical student debt story or, I think there's also a piece there where, where being single and being on this path is it can be incredibly powerful too for for attracting someone else. You know, Drew, I'm, I'm wondering what your opinions on that are. Uh, so what Eric just said is that uh, it's actually almost like a feather in a cap, right? You actually will be more attractive to women because you have it together. You actually have a net worth. You've proven that you can make something out of nothing. Do you find people in your life are attracted to this? 
I think naturally people are more attracted to success and that may be in the form of monetary success. And uh, going back to your point about prenups, a wise man once said, if you ain't no punk, holla, we want prenup. <laughs> a, a very wise man, apparently. Uh, Miss Yao, is it, is it different from a woman's standpoint? So again, dating, I think we've come to believe, as Eric said, that, that being financially independent, having a high net worth is a feather in our cap. Do you think it's a feather in your cap when dating? Do you think men look at that and say, oh, wow, she's got it together? I'm not sure. I'd like to think they do. But in reality, the world's still a bit unfair. And people do still keep to some old-fashioned ideals. So I don't really know, to be honest. Yeah, and along those lines, I think it's also a little bit freeing where you can be out and about with someone and be like, hey, like, let's go to this restaurant or, hey, let's, uh, let's stop in here for a coffee or something and not have to worry about, oh, I'm not going to be able to make this month's rent or I'm not going to be able to make this month's mortgage payment. So as a single person who does have an emergency fund, who does have income-producing asset, I think along those lines of what I, what I said a little bit earlier on, on, on the feather and the cap is that it's, it, it's pretty cool, I would say. And and maybe that's because I'm someone who's a little bit more loose with my spending. I still save 50% of my income, but I'm not afraid to be like, okay, well, I find this person to be amazing and I think that they're special. So I'm going to spend a little bit more on them or, you know, spend on them together. Yeah. I'd like to turn this around a little bit, Drew. Um, so we talk about whether being financially independent makes us look more attractive, but in your dating life, does meeting and going out with people who have, for instance, a high amount of debt, is that a big turnoff? It depends. Is that a high amount of debt because they have a bunch of rental properties and it's a bunch of mortgages that are giving them cash flow? <laughs> or is it a hundred grand in credit card debt because they can't control their spending habits? <laughs> Let's say a hundred grand in credit card debt. Yeah, that's, um, that's a bit of a deal killer. That's a deal breaker, yes. Yeah, and Ms. Yao, I'm wondering your your opinions too. Would high debt uh, be a deal breaker for you if you otherwise like someone? Oh, definitely, uh-huh. Definitely for a long-term thing, unless there was like a serious plan to sort it out. Has that ever happened to you? Not that I know of, but there could be, and you never know. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually did break up with a girl over her student debt situation. This is when I was a little younger. Uh, so I'm still young. I'm 26. But when I was 23, <laughs> the, the, the conversation of student debt came up and she was a little bit willy nilly towards money. And so then I was like, okay, well, you have a lot of student debt and I'm not paying for that. So I think it's, it's time to move on. And how did she react to that? Well, I didn't say it like that, but that was the thought that I had in my head. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was already kind of on the fence. So so when when given the reason, did you talk about that money was part of it or did, or did you, were you just more polite? I was more polite. Yeah. All right, Drew, big question here. Uh, are wedding rings worth it? <laughs> uh, it depends who you ask. I don't get the point of them, but I know uh, a lot of people see a lot of value in them. I rather splurge uh, on an awesome honeymoon or uh, another rental property. Miss Yao, same question. Wedding rings, waste of time, or worth it? Um, I think 
it's more the engagement ring that people are after, isn't it? A bit of bling. Personally, I think they're a bit waste of time and I'd be too scared of losing it, breaking it or something, but some people love them, so. And Eric, same thing. You found the perfect woman. She can deal with your side hustles. She can deal with uh, your tracking, uh, but she wants a $10,000 wedding ring. Would you consider it? Uh, it depends on what it's made out of because recently I've been, I've been thinking that precious metals definitely have a place in my portfolio. And so maybe if it's a, if, if, if it's a nice gold ring, then maybe, but even that, I don't, I don't know if I want that on her finger. So I would have to go with, with, with that. I've not in support of having an expensive ring. Yeah. yeah. We're going to avoid the conversation of precious metals and their place in your asset allocation. Uh, we'll, we'll save that for, for a different episode. Um, so Drew, we talk a lot about being single. We talk a lot about marriage. We talk a lot about courting. Um, there's also this, this issue also of having children. You don't necessarily need to be married nowadays to have children. Uh, children can also affect your financial independence path. Is that something that's ever entered your mind? It's some, well, personally, I've never considered having kids. It's something I haven't proactively uh, sought out or really want. Uh, I don't know if that sounds as selfish. Eric, same question. Kids will affect your financial independence pathway. A any concerns about that? No, I don't have any concerns about that. But also, I think that I'm going into this knowing that I want to have kids. I I'm definitely interested in kids. I grew up in a house of five, and that's definitely in my plans. And so as time goes on, I'll just have to make adjustments if they cost more or cost less, depending on uh, if I'm still working or or what, what other things I'm doing. Miss Yao, hard, hard to solo travel with two or three kids hanging on your legs? Indeed, indeed, yeah. Um, some people have done it, but it does look quite hard, doesn't it? Do you think, Drew, there are things that people misunderstand about you from a dating perspective because you're interested in financial independence? I think some people may um, think it's weird to save as much as we do. I wouldn't consider myself a frugalist. I consider myself more of a valuist and spend on where I see value. Uh, but some people don't get the point of saving for retirement uh, or saving for future uh, when that's 10, 20, 30, 50 years down the road. So some people haven't understood it and others kind of just scratch their head and think uh, that's nice and uh, kind of move on from that point. Yeah. Eric, do potential mates misunderstand us because of our interest in financial independence? Yeah, a little bit, but maybe that's because I'm just really cheap where I don't necessarily replace my white t-shirts until they're holy or my socks until they're uh, very gray and, and miscolored. So I don't know, but uh, like, like Drew said, maybe I'm just a valuist. Maybe that's how I should spin it in that I want to I want to use things until they don't have any more use, and then I'll get something new. Ms. Yao, what would you tell the population as a whole about dating a strange financial independence people? Yeah, I think when you enter the dating pool, you start to realize how much of a niche pursuit it is, and how we are different from other people, and how we evaluate choices of spending before making the spend expense whereas other people may just jump feet first in. So to close out our 
program today, we'll ask each of you to jump in on the final question, which was the first question, how does being single impact your path to financial independence? Last words, Eric? I think it's, it's, it's great for now. And I guess we'll see what happens when the right person comes into my life. And I'm definitely open to that. And I think over time here, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Wonderful. Drew, can you have any last words on the path to financial independence while being single? It goes back to the point. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And it's uh, allowing me to get to my goals faster. So to follow up on that, that is, is that a, a personal choice that, that you would say that you're making to be single longer in order to get to your path to financial independence faster? Uh, to some degree. Sure. I mean, uh, being married and living in a 52 square foot room don't often go together. Uh, same with living with four roommates and I house hack and that's allowed me to really increase my ability to save and invest, uh, which may not be the case once you get married and or start having children, you need to also consider other people's needs and put their needs before yours. Yeah. House hacking with uh, young children and, and a wife in my case is, is a non-starter conversation. So I definitely know where you're coming from. Miss Yao, last words. Does being single impact your path to financial independence? Yeah. So as someone who's, I suppose, single out of circumstance, really, I'd say it's a bit of a 50-50 it has being single has many benefits that you're in full control of your destiny and your path for the future, but you also lose out in that option to share expenses and have a supportive partner pushing you along the way. So I'd go sit on the fence and go, there are great benefits, but there are also some drawbacks. Makes sense. So I'll give each of you a chance to promote whatever you're working on and let us know what is up next in your life. Eric, what's happening with you? Right now, I'm really excited in 2019, going to be doing a lot of exercises. And right now, I'm, I'm doing a lot of yoga. And that's really exciting for me. And I'm excited to, to learn more about being more mindful and then also weave that into some of my personal development articles on my blog, which is The Mastermind Within. And then I have a podcast as well called The Simple-Minded Millennial Podcast, where I have a co-host and we talk about success and mindset and becoming better over time. Fantastic. We'll make sure and put both of those in the show notes. Drew, how about you? Where can we find you? And you got anything brewing in your life? Definitely. Uh, so I'm my site's guyonfire.us and spending the end of the year decompressing, uh, really focusing on um, coming out with the house hacking course and also the uh, reading a lot of books and enjoying the end of the year. Also hoping to have some big real estate announcements uh, in the first half of 2019. Wonderful. Big real estate announcements. Hopefully you can move out of your 52 square foot uh, scenario. <laughs> uh, you'll, you'll, you'll make it to that point. <laughs> More power to you. Uh, Miss Yao, how about you? Close us out. Where can we find you and what is up next in your life? Fabulous. So I'm on com, and I'm going to spend time with family, enjoy the festive period and look forward to 2019. At the moment, I'm still planning more travels to some exciting places. I'm trying to convince my Russian-speaking friend to come with me to some Russian-speaking countries. And I'm planning for my next two marathons next year. So it's going to be a good time. Wow. Wow. A few marathons. That's pretty impressive.
So, Paul, you and I are at a little bit of a disadvantage. Uh, I think both of us got married fairly young, and we got married, I got married, you know, during at the end of medical school and residency, and I didn't really find financial independence till after. Right. So, I grew into this community as a married person. So, I never had to think about going into these situations and having preset opinions about how to save, how to spend, uh, and what courtship looks like. And I think it was easier for me, right? Because, you know, I didn't have to worry about such things, but it's a different world. And as you get older and you get more set in your ways and your net worth goes up, all of a sudden dating becomes much different. When you're younger, when you're in school still, it's like, do you find each other attractive and can you put a few words together? You know, and if the sentences flow, you eventually see if that works itself into a relationship and you have all the time in the world and you have all the freedom uh, and that's that. And you're not already caught in the midst of a job. You're not already doing a side hustle or most of us at least aren't. Cody probably was. Uh, <laughs> but, but the truth of the matter is your life is still fluid. And as you get older, your life gets more and more set. And so we have all these really interesting people in our community who are setting out and they're changing the world. They're doing all these great things. They're building their net worths. Uh, they're becoming financially independent. They're starting businesses. And that affects their relationships. It affects who they're going to date uh, and it affects what they look for in a mate. And so I found this conversation really eye-opening and I'm wondering what you thought. Well, so you, were you, you said, were you 22, 23 when you got married? Yeah, exactly. I think it was, let me think about this back. I got married in 2000. So that was 18 years ago, which would have made me what, uh, 27? Hmm. Yeah. Same here. I, I, I met my wife when I was 25 and we got married when we were 27. So yeah, there is, which was late based on my contemporaries. Most of my contemporaries were getting married in college or shortly thereafter. So I, I've, I had that three-year period of three, I guess, how much, almost, a, I guess, a three-year period of when I was out of school and did not have a serious relationship, ongoing relationship until I was 25. And I was discovering what it was like to what to do with money. And that, that was my period when there were not the terms for, I, this was in 2000, 2003, and there were not these terms for financial independence the way we have now. I mean, the, the Motley Fool was what I poured myself into. And that was back when it was free, way back then. And I did a lot of index investing. And I was pretty early on in that. I felt like amongst my contemporaries about learning how to, do, to invest. But I wasn't especially thrifty, especially by our standards, by the fire community, community standards. You know, I was saving 20% of my income and I thought I was doing a great job. <laughs> great job. Um, so yeah, I, I can't imagine what it would have been like to be, have to, have been up to appear to have performed or behaved like a pauper around, around all of my friends. And I was known for being the, the thrifty one. Um, that would be exceptionally difficult to find. Like, I just can't imagine living in a 52 square foot uh, place and having uh, basically house hacking, which I think is a wonderful financial choice, but then also trying to find, uh, in which you always use, use the word mate, which, um, I'm not sure I would, um, that, that, that every time I heard that I, I had to stop and think <laughs> a partner or a spouse or a girlfriend, um, or, or a more clinical term of mate. Yes. I was, I was looking for my mate, Doc G and 
man, I, I think that would have been very difficult to have that conversation on the extreme levels that some people in the financial independence movement now have. I definitely feel like at a disadvantage and I marvel at the young folks like Cody or Guy or, or Drew, I keep calling Guy, or people like that that are doing this stuff at, at you know in their mid twenties and it would bound to have an impact on, on on how you go about meeting a mate. Yeah, and you know, we almost were let off the hook because when you date someone in college or medical school, it's just accepted that you don't have any money. Uh-huh. So, you know, you go out and get a burrito and everyone's happy. Yep. But you take our three guests. These are highly successful people who have commanding jobs, who own properties. I mean, these are people yeah. who from the outside look like they have money. So imagine you're going out on a date with one of these people and they're looking at a less cost option as opposed to going out somewhere glitzy or glamorous. Uh, it's a different world. It's, it's harder. We mm-hmm. got off easy. And then we could form those financial patterns with our spouses as we grew up. Whereas they have to still meet the expectations of a significant other. And those expectations might be to go to the expensive restaurants, to take the expensive trips. And so it's like this whole extra layer of complexity. And I can understand why someone in this situation having their financial act together might say, yeah, I'll date, uh, but if I don't get married, no big deal. Yeah, and it is becoming more socially acceptable to be singer, single for longer. So, I mean, just it's funny, just 15 years ago, which is when I guess I got married, um, or 13 years ago, being single then, I felt like was I, I was the one of the late ones. So that was, and I, I don't get the sense that that is as much of a you know a societal pariah a situation as it used to be. But I'm going to turn the, the tide around on you and ask you a question, Doc. Uh, did, did you buy your wife a diamond ring? So we shopped together, mm-hmm. uh, and we did buy a diamond ring. Um, and it ours, my wife's, was actually stolen a few years later when our house was robbed, and mm-hmm. we went and got a replacement and put more money into it. Uh, so we did, and I, you know, it wasn't even a thought. Uh, my wife and I now joke that if we're going to do it again, we should just buy a big fat cubic zirconia or whatever feel, the newest version is, because we all know there's no difference. I feel the exact same way. You cannot tell a difference in the naked eye hardly. And I remember lear- learning the five C's of a diamond, and it is just brilliant marketing. I think I spent $2,000 on a diamond ring, which was in the scheme of things is a very small diamond ring. And my wife wore it for 10, 12 years. And at some point the diamond fell out and we lost the diamond and we didn't even consider, she doesn't even wear a diamond ring now. And I I don't even wear a a, a wedding ring anymore because it's just like the societal thing that I just don't need anymore to, to tell people that, I'm taken. I mean, I, my, my, my actions clearly indicate that I'm taken. So I, I don't know um, that I, there's a contrarian in many of us. And I think when it comes to some of those customs, I, if I were going through that stage again, I would completely buy a, a cubic zirconium or equivalent or not even bother at all and say, what's the point? I mean, that, there's just no societal reason to do that other than that's what we've done in the past. It doesn't prove any point especially the cost of it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm with you right there. And so I would tell our audience members, uh, if you run into us out in the world and you see us or our spouses with these huge, uh, beautiful diamond rings on, uh, you better believe they're fake. 
We stole them. <laughs> we stole them because that's what's up next. Well, this has been the What's Up Next podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, and my co-host, Paul Thompson, we wanted to thank Eric from The Mastermind Within, Drew from Guy on Fire, and Ms. Ziao from her eponymous blog. That's a wrap. It might just be the three of us and just, hey. Yeah, dude, we could just be, it could just be the mastermind within. Show. Hey, yeah, the mastermind within. How is it like being single, by the way? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How's that single life there from a couple of married dudes? Yeah, I was about to say, we're, we're not so good at it, but no. The Living by Curiously Through Eric podcast. Doc G, and we are with the Living Vicariously Through the Mastermind Within podcast. <laughs> what did I miss? You were asking how the, t- the podcast is? Yeah. yeah. It's falling apart except for Paul. He's got it together. The rest of it's with, you know, the other half is falling apart, Eric. I have to tell you the truth. We just so, dumped him. I didn't dump him, did you? No, I, didn't, I don't think so. So um, I, th- I think we just figured out what it's like to be a part of the single life. Like, like this right here, we're all alone. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, this is what it's like to be single. It may just be you and me. <laughs> we can just have, we can have an hour conversation about what it's like to be single. What, what do you suspect it's like to be single, Doc? So I would have been about 23, 24. And I was, I was a lousy single person. Like I couldn't get someone to date me for the love of God. Women had no interest in me whatsoever. Yeah. What, what can you buy me? It was probably my twitches. <laughs> <laughs> Drew is trying to sign on, I think. Maybe he's signing on as Missy Yao. Ooh, that, that would be stealth. <laughs> and Drew, I think it all came out fine, even with you in your car. <laughs> hey, it just adds to the story. Hey, guys. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Tech moves fast. So keep pace with the Daily Crunch podcast from TechCrunch. With new episodes every day, this podcast will give you a quick overview on everything you need and should know about startups, new tech, regulations, and more. Listen to TechCrunch Daily Crunch now wherever you get your podcasts. That's TechCrunch Daily Crunch wherever you get your podcasts.